Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we're back with episode 18 of the 1973 podcast. I'm your host, AC. I'm here with the best tag team in the podcasting business. And uh, Ed, Tom, what's been going on? Anything? Got a, guys got anything or are we getting right back into it? Let's just get um, right back into the swing of it. Yeah, yes. Right. We're ready to got drop some stuff bionic. to say today. Ready to drop people's elbows, bionic elbows, figure four leg locks. Backslides and one, two, threes. There we go. Yep, so, there we uh, go. Um, as usual, we start with the uh, reading of the email, and uh, well, I'm going to let Ed take this one, and uh, we'll have at it. Go ahead, Ed. All right. Well, I'm going to start off a little bit slow. First and foremost, we do appreciate your people coming, sending stuff in. We do appreciate that. Now, everything else that comes in is either truth stick, because to take a quote from earlier this week, I am the truth, and the truth is painful. All right, you didn't know if you didn't watch the promo, you don't know what it is. All right, so this is coming from Chris from Fayetteville, North Carolina. You know, I mean, all we need here is the music from uh, the Superstation TBS at six oh five. All right, hey, nineteen seventy three podcast, you guys claim to be old school wrestling fans. What version of Midnight Express was better, Dennis Conroy or Stan Lane? I bet you have no idea who I'm talking about. P.S. This one's ready, you Thomas. Your sports pick sucks, also. Well, first and foremost, Chris, you want to know something? I got two words for you. Suck it, okay? That's first and foremost, okay? And guess what? You know, maybe you just want to have a cup of coffee in the big time, okay? Because, you know something? Uh, you truly are not the cream, and you will not rise to the top. How's that? That's what we're going to kick that one off for. All right, well. There's a, there's a few choice words in there. Claim, claim to be old school wrestling fans. Uh, you know, it. There's a lot of heat in there. You're throwing, you're throwing daggers. Yeah, I mean, so you know, I mean, I, I came with, I came with big time stuff, you know. So uh, no, I have to say that, uh, you know, I think as far as Midnight Express, I think you know, if you really want to claim that you, Chris, you are a big time like old school wrestling guy, like you claim to be, then you're wrong on both of those guys because they weren't the linchpin of that tag team. It was Bobby Eaton. So again, two words for you: suck it. All right. <laughs> And then uh, I bet you, I bet you didn't know what was the best match that the Midnight Express ever had. I bet you didn't know, and I bet you you can't find it in less than three seconds. But I did. Guess which one it was? It's was 1988 NWA Midnight Express versus the Fabulous Ones. It was a 40-minute match. There's only 25 minutes of of footage of that match in existence ever. Try to find the full 40. Try it. I got nothing else. Who the fuck is this guy? Got any more? Wait, moving on. <laughs> Before we move on, we got to pick Ed. Who's your pick? You're going with Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton, or are you going Dennis Condry and Bobby? I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Bobby Eaton and Stan and, and Lane. I, that's who I'm gonna go with. All right, Tom, go ahead, take it. Uh, I'm going with Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry. And if you look at, I mean, Stan Lane and uh, and Bobby Eaton were only a tag team for about a year. If you go back and look at the stats, uh, Dennis Condry and Eaton, they were seven-time All-Star Wrestling Tag Team Champs, ten-times IWC Tag Team Champs, two-time Mid-South Tag Team Champs, two-time Universal Tag Team Champs, ten-time NWA Bluegrass Tag Team Champs. So there's about 29. I've skipped a few other ones. There's probably 29 uh, belts between them. Eaton and Lane only won four belts. Now, I know the belt doesn't necessarily mean best tag team, but 
I think a lot of it has to do with longevity too. I mean, they didn't keep Stan Lane and and uh, Bobby. I mean, yeah, Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton together long enough. So, but before we get to me, I want to get Tom's take on uh, your sports pick uh, comment, Tom. Well, how do you rebuttal on that? Because Thomas, that was directed specifically at you. I didn't man. even see it when you sent me the email. I didn't see it. What did it say? It said P.S. What do you, what do you, was it said? Well, I'm going to read the direct quote, okay? So the direct quote is, uh, P.S., your sports picks suck also. This week they kind so, of – I mean, that's directly, <laughs> that's directly directly at you, Tom. That's my that, – yeah, I assume he's talking that's about – That's where you warehouse, the, man. The fantasy, what are you do about it? The fantasy sports picks of the week, you know? Hey, you got to take a few daggers, you know, when you're on, the, when you're on TV, you know, you got the view – Oh, we're buffering right now. I don't know if you guys can see it, but we're having technical difficulties over here. And in Stan Lane, which I never realized is that the reason they broke up was Jim Cornette and uh, Stan Lane had heat with Ole Anderson backstage it, uh so they actually quit and left and bobby Eaton, he had a family they from what i read he had he didn't want to leave because he had a family to uh provide for and he ended up staying and that's how they broke up so uh i'll give you my my thoughts on the on the question uh i'm gonna go with tom i'm gonna say uh Eaton and Condry just for this body of work um the scaffold match against the road warriors was Eaton and Condry. There's a awesome, awesome angle that if you haven't seen it, it's when Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2 are in Mid-South. They're a tag team, and they are over like crazy. The Midnight Express actually screws them for the belts, and then Mr. Wrestling 2 turns on Magnum TA in, after that match is done, and it's the only time Mr. Wrestling 2 was ever a heel, and him and Magnum transition right into a feud right there. And that angle was fantastic. And this is before he ended up in Crockett. Um, Dennis Condry left because he was tired of the traveling. Uh, he, he actually had gone back home. He had a, a ranch and he just wanted to be with his family. So he was kind of burnt out too. Um, that's why they brought Stan Lane in, who was with the fabulous ones before that with uh, Steve Kern, which, you know, they, they ripped off the Chippendale gimmick and the whole thing, but actually, uh, I'll I'll kind of cap the question off with uh, I'll just I'm with Tom on this one. I'm going uh, the original Midnight, uh, not not the original original Midnight, the uh, the one that Paul Lee brought in afterwards to feud with them. But those two, that's that's my pick. And and with that being said, I think those guys should be in the uh, Hall of Fame. They're definitely Hall of Fame worthy as far as uh, in it. There was a comment that Arn Anderson is really surprised that, and he believes that they should be in the Hall of Fame. Should be in the Hall of Fame, yeah. With That's Jim right. Cornette, they show all three of them should go in together. And throw Stan Lane. They should, Bob Eaton recently passed away. It was terrible that he did because those guys didn't get their due going in the Hall of Fame. They could have put all four in together, both versions of uh, the Midnight with Jim Cornette and Bobby Eaton, and it would have been fantastic. And Bob Eaton was a fantastic wrestler. He just had a trouble talking on the mic that wasn't really his thing but as far as in-ring work this was nobody better for that you know mid-card status to get guys to the next level what would be the nwa's version of like 
you know, the Intercontinental guys that were ready for uh, the heavyweight title. So moving on with some wrestling talk, we had, uh, we didn't get to touch on it last week. Uh, another, you can call him a legend. You can call him a Hall of Famer. The Iron Sheik passed away. Uh, 81. Uh, I heard reports that his, uh, you know, some people said he was 80. Some said he was 84. And some said he was 82. They couldn't pin down his exact, uh, you know, birth age. So, uh, what a character, huh? Especially after he got out of wrestling when he was on Stern and when he had the Twitter account and all the social media stuff. What a what a character. Guys must have some thoughts on the Iron Sheik. Oh, he was great. And looking back after he passed away, looking at some of the, some of the early stuff in his career, I never realized. Like, I never knew he was a soldier in the Iranian Imperial Army before he uh, came over to the States. And... I didn't know that Mean Gene was his best man at his wedding back in the 70s. So they knew each other from way, way back. And then another thing I didn't realize, I knew he had won a gold medal in the uh, AAU championships for Greco-Roman wrestling, but I never knew he was an assistant coach for Team USA's wrestling team in the 72 Olympics. That's how he broke in with Vern. Vern uh, yeah. actually pulled him in because of his... Uh, you know, his wrestling background and, and being part of Team USA. Um, and they, he was in the same camp with Flair and those guys. So, uh, that you know, I think uh, maybe Sergeant Slaughter also in that with Brunzel and Ganya and uh, Ken Patera, obviously. Uh, those are the guys that were in that, that class of AWA guys that broke in all at the same time. Ed, thoughts on the Sheik? Yeah, man. I mean, again, the Sheik was one of those guys, man. He just really elicited that reaction, that gut reaction, man. I don't like this guy. You know, like, I mean, especially growing up in that, in that eighties, you know, when we had, you know, you know, that, you know, when, it, when Reagan was in office and it was, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger about getting back into shape and, you know, proud to be American, that type of thing. You know, I mean, they re I mean, Vince did really such a great job with that, that storyline and, you know, man, you just really didn't like him. And then, you know, and, you know, I mean, he built, you know, he beat really the, you know, the people's champion of Bob Backlund, you know. And, uh, you know, then on top of that, man, like, you know, like uh, he just and then when he, you know, attached with Nikolai Volkov and the two of them would get in the ring. I mean, the two of them would just elicit that reaction from you. And just the chic, man, he was just, you know, I mean, he just kind of was off the rails. I mean, just on how he would talk on the mic and then he just would be like, you know, USA, you suck. You know, and I mean, it was just I mean, and he just I mean, when you think back, I mean, it, it's it's not really great mic work because of the things that we see now and everything like that and that type of thing. But, you know, I mean, he really got people to hate him, you know, and he, and he did, he lived his gimmick that way, you know, and, it's, and really just to see what happened on that, um, you know, that, um, you know, what, what would be almost considered to be behind the wrestling that uh, A E, you know, A&E does, um, you know, back kind of circling back to behind the music type stuff when his daughter passed away. I mean, they had to hold him down so you wouldn't kill the guy, you know? Yeah, he had, and, he actually, um, had a knife in the courtroom that nobody knew yeah. about. He was going to stab the guy. Um, yeah. Quite a story there. If you get a chance to watch some of those chic documentaries, they're really, really good. Um, uh, another, and the camel clutch, man. Oh, I mean, you couldn't get out of it. Yeah, yeah. Very, uh, once that was on, it was it was pretty much over. Uh Cheek was the perfect guy with that WWWF WWF formula where you had that transitional champion for a couple of weeks. And it was, you took it off an all American guy that had it for like 
six straight years, big run with Backlund. And yep. he never gave up. The, the storyline with him is spoiling through in the towel. And just in case something ever went sideways, they could put the belt back on Backlund somehow because they didn't know how the Hogan thing was going to go. So you have your All-American guy get beat by the Sheik, who's coming off that hostage in Iran kind of time and the gas yep. prices. Now, it wasn't that it wasn't at that time, but it was slowly removed from it to right. get beat by the next guy. And then they kept Sheik right in the right in the mix after he beat Hogan. I mean, after Hogan beat him, where he had that big run with Slaughter, where they had those boot camp matches, and it was that that all through '84 was him and Slaughter, and people don't really remember that, but that Slaughter's the guy that kind of turned him, uh, you know, into like more of a, uh, a mainstream bad guy. I mean, if you if you bought those original wrestling figures, the LJNs, there was only two bad guys in that first run. It was him and Big John Studd. So you, right. you, you had to buy, if you bought a good guy, you had to have some somebody for him to wrestle. So you, you'd see the Sheik or, or John Studd. There was only five guys. So yeah, the Sheik, he, he was right off the rip. He was, he was, you know, a heel from the get-go. So, yeah. you know, with that being said, and people always forget that the uh, connection with him and Slaughter back in 91 with the, the Desert Storm where they both were uh, – Iraqi sympathizers and Sheik was on his side as you know, what Colonel Mustafa, whatever name they gave him. So, you know, that's as bad as Doc Hendricks would be in Michael Hayes. So, you know, typical WWE, how they don't want you to remember anything, but, um, but if we move on from the Sheik, I want to talk about the uh, return of uh, CM Punk last night. It was pretty, pretty good. Uh, he had a pretty hot mic. He did the, you know, the anti AEW stuff. He took the the AEW logo off the microphone when he talked, and uh, he was ripping into being non apologetic for any of the stuff that he did. And the little cool thing that he had in the interview, he had a t shirt on. It was an homage to the Roddy Piper black uh, cat t shirt that he used to wear, but instead of the black cat on it, it was his dog Larry, which I thought <laughs> was really really cool it's like if the fans get it they get it if you don't you know get some cliff notes or talk to a wrestling fan so it, it was uh it was really really good um thoughts on cm punk coming back like him hate him good for i business. thought it was great i thought it was great i mean for him to go off for you know i mean for for him to hold you know basically a 10 10 10 minute 10 minute and 15 second like promo uh, i mean that's bringing some serious heat man I mean that to get up there on a hot microphone on TV and go and just let it rip for ten minutes. I mean <clears throat> that shows his mic skills, you know. And to hold the audience and get the fan reaction that way, I mean that was huge, man. That I mean that was really great. That kind of reminds me of in the more recent recent past the MJF when he when MJF went off, you know, about a year ago. You know, I mean it. I mean it held the crowd. It held me. I mean, you know, I mean it, it was a great promo, Thomas. Yeah. How do you feel about a new show on, on Saturday nights? Uh, do you think it's too much TV for them? Five hours worth of TV to, to fill with that roster? Do you think that's tough for them? Or? I mean, I, I mean my, my take on filling the roster, and, and then I'll, I'll make it quick so we can, we can flip it to Utah. I mean, honestly, I think that they, they need to get some better story writing going on sooner than later, and they need to make it happen yesterday. 
And the, and what I say by that is, is that they, you know, for so many years, they're, they're putting stuff that should be on pay-per-view on TV. And I think the viewers lose it. And really what it comes down to is just that their guys, get, their guys and girls need to be better on the mic. And, you know, they're, and they need to put it over different than WWE. They, they can't be going like, you know, you know, I am the freaking game. Come on, man, do something different. They go back, look, look at some old NWA tapes and freaking, you know, go back to the, like, we're going to put the boots on type stuff, you know, and be different than WWE. There's a, there's a, there's an audience for it, you know, so be better. Thomas. Yeah, I, I, I agree, but I do. I like having this extra hour because if you're going to have a roster this big, you got to get them on TV. I think that's half the problems with all the backstage drama is nobody's getting, none of these guys are getting on TV. Like at least last night they had uh, Andrade on TV. Miro was back and Punk. I mean, the uh, had uh, Samoa Joe, which he's only been on our ring of honor, I guess pretty much lately, but I mean, I, I like it. And then with CM Punk, I think they're to the point now with that whole situation where it's more of a uh, work than it is a shoot now. But, uh, I mean, if anyone can dr go right on that line at CM Punk, I mean, he's a, he's a master at that stuff. But having said that, I thought he was really rusty in the ring. I mean, if you looked – now, I don't know whose fault it was, but on the, his finisher, the go to sleep, if you watch it, he hit the guy in the stomach instead of hitting where he usually hits the guy in the head. He hit the guy – flat in the chest. I mean, it was somebody missed their spot on that one. I don't know if it was him. I don't know who to blame it on, but it was, it, it kind of diminished his finishing move. Yeah, with uh, FDR is exactly where you need him to get back in the shape of things and they can surround him and, and be, you know, kind of uh, all on the same page with that old school mentality. If that's the kind of storyline they want to go with. And he threw a couple shots at MJF. He had the belt in the bag. Like you never beat me for it type of thing. I like that. It's cool. Um, you know, there's a lot they can do with him. I mean, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I think that you should have to pay to see the world champion. That's just how I am. I don't think they should give world title matches away for free on TV. And uh, unless they want to implement the old 30 day rule, you got to defend it within 30 days and they don't have enough pay-per-views that, which I like, I like less pay-per-views a year. It gives long-term storytelling, uh, you know, and good for blow-offs at the end. So if you're working in a three, three month window, that's awesome to tell a story and then have the blow off. And then if it's a rubber match, you get six months out of it and, you know, maybe a calendar year, who knows, depending on what they're doing, but they, they need to, uh, Stop listening to the EVPs. Those guys have never, ever been in WWE, and I don't understand why they should have a say. All the guys that are, that have been anywhere, look what happened to Cody. They pushed him right out, and he's doing just fine in WWE, even though he hasn't you know, won the big belt, but they are pushing him like crazy. And he does stand out right at the top of the roster when he comes in uh, as far as a talent. So um, – I don't know how much time we have, but let's uh, let's wrap up our NHL season. Uh, the hockey jersey's off. The end of the NHL season. Vegas Golden Knights. Last Night. one. Yeah, last one we of the year. We're gonna take a break until NHL season starts up again. So let's see thoughts on the the Knights and the win. Go ahead, guys. Go ahead, Ed. Well, first and foremost, hats hats off to the Knights, man. They played hard. They really did. Um, they in that last game, man, they did not take their foot off the gas at all. They just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And the thing about it was, was that really you could just see 
you know, as the series went on, like Florida was broken and, and, and not because of lack of heart, not of lack of balls. No, they were just broken. I mean, if you listen to Paul Maurice's speech at the end of the game, you know, I mean, man, head coaches, I mean, he just was like, he's like, I love the room. He's like, I love the way that these guys loved each other. You know, I, I, I love it the way that they cared for each other. I mean, and then the story about Kachuk, you know, on, you know, where he couldn't even get dressed. And then there's four other guys in there that are going to need shoulders um, that are done. I mean, they're complete. They're, I mean, anybody that's ever separated a shoulder, even if it's a grade one or a grade two separation, I mean, to I can't imagine getting smashed into the glass like that. Um, you know, and then uh, with Bruce, Bruce Cassidy, I mean, it's really nice for him. You know, the franchise is only six years old. Um, they have the second fastest franchise to do that. Uh, the only other franchise in the NHL to do that would be the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you know, and uh, my last parting shot is, you know, um, funny story. Uh, it would be nice if the Bruins could get a coach like that. Tom, I want to pong. See, Ed's still at the kids' table because the Canadians haven't won in so long. So we're just – it's just banter over there. So um, – Look up in the rafters, my friends. Just look at the rafters. That's all I'm going to say. Now you're sounding like a 90-year-old man. Back in my day, the Canadians were good. Well, I'm going to go new school with you then. I got two words for you. Suck it. <laughs> no, but I will say I like the signings. They Canadians, I'm getting Caulfield now. I don't really agree on the years, but they, I, I agree they needed to lock him up. Having said that, going back to the Knights, they just – wore them down and just ground them, ground them. And you could see in that last game how deflated Florida was. I mean, they as the game wore on, they just had less and less. Oomph they had nothing. They yeah, they weren't fighting. And you could see it kind of went back to Bobrovsky where he was, I mean, I, he was left out to dry. I mean, I felt bad for the guy because up in, he played good for three of the <laughs> games. But uh, having said that, I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the – the rally they had at, last night in Vegas, but Carlson, if you haven't seen Carlson's speech oh, at the, oh, that was awesome. He, he, yes. And the girl's that trying to take the microphone from him. It's it's the best. <laughs> He's got no shirt on. It, it's fantastic. Uh, the, back to the Paul Maurice thing. Now, two years ago when he was with Winnipeg, he left because he said that team had no heart. Look at the difference a, a team makes. It, this Team had all the hot in the world playing with a broken sternum, broken foot, the whole deal. I mean, yeah. he must say to himself, man, if I just had this some other place, but that's that's what he's looking for. They gave him, they gave everything they had. They lost, but they, yes, they did. Team down, took teams down with them. And if they had just stayed maybe a little bit more healthier, maybe they could have stretched it to seven, but who knows? But hats off for uh the Knights winning this season and we're off to other things for the summer and we're going to keep it going. And uh, Tom, speaking of sports, we're going to go with your shitty fantasy picks for the week. <laughs> uh, That's the name of the new segment. That's the name of the new yeah. segment right there. We just named it. So, so uh, <laughs> Chris, Chris from Fayetteville, you just, you, you just became famous. No. Here are my shitty picks of the week. Now I hope this comes. Hope Chris approves, and if not, tough because it's my show. You're but, right. Uh, That's right. That's right. That's right. Tom's shitty picks. Here we go. This week I am going to go with uh, 
for pitching, I want to go off the grid in a little bit. I don't want to, there's too many easy picks for pitching. So I'm going to go with Pablo Lopez of the Twins. He's got two starts this week. One's against the Red Sox and one's against Detroit. Neither one of their lineups are really anything to, they're not the uh, Yankees of yesteryear. So I think he's going to have a good week. And for, for my hitter, I'm picking Juan Soto. He's got seven games, four of them against the Giants, three against his old team, the uh, Nationals, and I think he's just going to light them up. He's been starting to hit well. The Padres are starting to hit well as a team. So I think they're. Uh, I think those are my picks of the week. I think they'll do well. Excellent. Tom, I'm just you – know, I want to insert this in here. Just it, it's, a, it's a little bit of business that we can toss out here right now. Just for the record – uh, local sponsors, any cesspool companies or anything like that, <laughs> this would be a perfect place. Tom Shitty Picks, I mean, we got you, man. It's very minimal. We, we can fit you right in here for this. Thing. I mean, it's a perfect lay-in right there. <laughs> so while we have a couple minutes in here, we've we've been we've been so tight the last couple of weeks with with uh, stuff we wanted to talk about. Is there anybody right now that we forgot about that you guys want to mention that we have forgot over the last couple of weeks that we you know, forgot to give shout outs to. I want to uh, say Scotty. Yes, that's what I was going to say. We haven't mentioned him in a while, but Brock Street Brewery in uh, Toronto and Whitby and Scotty Pepin. Yep. Ed? I got nothing. Oh, <laughs> good, good talk, Ed. Thanks. Hey, I'm just being honest. No, you know? Scott, Scott's uh, always been uh, real, real good to us. Uh, He's supposedly uh, sending some stuff to Ed. I don't know when that's going to be. It must be on Pony Express coming your way. So that car must have got uh, derailed or robbed on the way down there. So I don't know how that customs is, is working, all that contraband that he tries to send. Well, maybe he's hand-walking it down. Oh, maybe. Maybe he's hand-walking Yeah. There you go. Hand-walking yeah. it down. I so can appreciate next, that. Next time we see him, we'll have to, you know, put him in an arm bar and, and squeeze some, uh, you know, cans out of him or something, shake him well, down. Long as he as long as he doesn't throw up all over my foyer floor, we're good. There we go. I was waiting for it. So, uh, Thomas, we're gonna throw it to you, and uh, we want to know what you got for album pick of the week. My pick of the week this week is going. I'm going old school. Aerosmith, greatest hits, great album. It. Uh, in 2021, it hit the platinum 12 times. I don't know how you would say that. 12 time platinum, I guess. Uh, ten song album, awesome songs. Like the, my favorite, probably same old song and dance. Uh, Walk this way. I love the uh, their version of Come Together and uh, Back in the Saddle. And uh, this album was actually later re released. It was still their greatest hits, but they put in the years from 1973 to 1988. The funny thing about that album is the cover song "Not Come Together" from you know, from the Sgt. Pepper movie that with the Bee Gees, but remember walking in the sand. It, it's like, I don't know how they put that song on that album for a greatest hits, but that's, that's the one clunker on there. I mean, uh, I, I think that you could have taken one from somewhere else and kind of swapped that one out. I don't know how the hell there's going to be a story to how that got on there. They had to fill a, uh, you know, time frame, and they needed a, song to fit that frame who knows but they, that's the only clunker it, i mean it's it's on there there's not a bad song on there you know all the songs but that one is definitely a clunker especially in a cover song too but go ahead ed i mean i'm gonna have to i'm gonna echo what you guys say you know like uh back in the saddle walk this way i mean 
just think about how cutting edge Walk This Way was uh, with the tie-in with uh, with Run DMC. I mean, how that tied in with with uh, you know MTV and stuff like that. That rock kind of rap relationship that really kind of pushed it. You know, uh, same old song and dance, sweet emotion. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, like when you, uh, I think it's at the beginning of that song, there was one of the instruments actually broke when they were actually taping that and recording that in the studio. And of course, Dream On and, you know, it's not the one that's on this album, but the the one where, um, um, you know, that he sings on, on the piano for a post, the uh, Marathon Bombers was, you know, with Dream On, that was, that was pretty cool too. So to see many different versions of some of these songs is pretty cool. What they needed to do was to take uh, uh, "Walking in the Sand" off there and put "Toys in the Attic" on there, and that that would have been an, an even better song for that because I really like that song. So that's that, that's yeah, the song sure. they could have taken off there for <laughs> "In the Attic." So, um, with that being said, we're gonna start winding it down, fellas. Uh, uh, we're coming up on a twentieth episode pretty soon. Hopefully, we can get a a surprise guest on here, maybe. Uh, We'll try to get the elusive Phantom on for the twentieth episode. If not, we gotta shoot for the twenty fifth. You gotta you gotta jump on the bus when it stops. We'll try to jump on a moving train. Thoughts? Well, I mean the Portuguese Phantom, I mean, uh, you know, he is uh being heavily recruited. Um but you know, the man the man is is a stonewall. Uh, and it's hard to talk to Stonewall sometimes. The, you know, the stop hand is up. Uh, I've asked many times. Um, I, I've asked nicely. I've asked not so nicely, you know, uh, demanded. Uh, and I have received uh, no has been the final answer. So, uh, you know, we may like, have to take a different. It's like the battle for Bam Bam when Macho Man showed up in WWF and all the managers wanted him and he ends up with Elizabeth. So. You know, yeah, I mean, you who knows? Have... Maybe we'll just old school, you know, drive up in a van and, you know, full <laughs> <laughs> Frank the Tank incident. That's right, you know, because you know when the beers hit your lips, they're delicious. <laughs> I think he's I'm just building adding... it up. He's he's just gonna make it so that there's a bigger pop when he shows up. Oh. I want to just do this for legal purposes. I'm not I'm not advocating anybody stealing anybody. That is purely a movie quote, and there's nothing else. Okay. Just for uh, just to be funny. Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> you know, remember the dog in the park, man. <laughs> um, anything you'd like to add before we uh, close the session? One thing I want to say is a little funny story. This week, somebody sent me a screenshot. It was from YouTube, and it was under Joe Rogan's experiment, his uh, his uh, podcast, and underneath it, it said nineteen seventy three podcast. It was in the description. So. I'm just going to imagine, you know, I'm just going to, in my own head, I'm going to say he, he plugged us, but yeah, I mean, we all know the truth, but no, 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 we, no, we got plugged by Joe Rogan. How about that? <laughs> that? That's pretty cool. We got plugged by Joe Rogan, man. And Massachusetts people are going to stick together. You know, if you watch the first episode, we got over 5,000 views, almost 6,000 views on the first episode. That's pretty good. I, I can't, can't say enough. I don't know how it happened, but that's great. Could have been off of that. And the uh, Facebook page has been blowing up recently. We got uh, 2,000 people within two weeks. So, I mean, what more can you ask for? That's that's all things that just three buddies getting together, talking about stuff that we would talk about if we weren't recording. So it's 
that's all it is. It's it's fun. It's staying together, and and you know we don't see each other at all anymore like we used to. So that's why we do it, and we're trying to put some smiles on the face and stay in touch in the process. So don't you know anything we say, it's all all for shit. All in fun. Yep. Yeah. So, but Chris from Fayetteville, you, you picked the wrong people to pick pick on. So <laughs> we we were around when bullies were bullies. So. It's the wrong crew to pick on when you start throwing daggers. So, right, Ed? That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Best color man in the game. We'll see you next That's week. <laughs> Peace.